All right, and welcome to the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal. I'm Treacherous Trista. And we're joined this by the producer. Hello, producer of Grizzly Two. It's very nice to have you here. Thank you. It's good to have you. So we're going to get into the history of this, but if, first of all, thirty-seven years, and the movie's finally coming out in January, and it did play at some festivals this year. What's that feeling like to? your movie is finally going to be out there available for people. Well, it is uh, uh, indeed great and very successful. Uh, especially we have uh, so much interest from all over the world. Um, it's, it's amazing. So this movie after 37 years, it's still alive. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's weird. You mentioned that, that there's a lot of excitement about it. Cause I think if you would have released it like, before, um, like if you were released in the 90s before the internet really took off, there wouldn't have been as much uh, buzz. But with the internet, it really helps people talk about it and the legend get out there, you know. Absolutely. Movie. So going back to or back originally in, in the 80s, how did you get involved in Grizzly 2? Well, I represented the Hungarian film industry in the United States. So I was the... Uh, one of the um, uh, uh, representative, and I brought four movies to Hungary. All of them were uh, service work. Uh, those days in the socialism, Hungary needed hard currency. Uh, it was very hard to find money for independent filmmakers. This is Carter era where the interest rate was 20%, 19%. So I put together a um, package deal uh, at that time, and uh, um, that became incredibly attractive uh, because uh, what it was is that uh, the below the line was financed by um, a special structure. So for about $400,000, you got uh, $3 million worth of value uh, for your production. And uh, so that's how the whole Grizzly uh, story came about, that they find me and they wanted to produce the film in Hungary. And of course, this was an extremely complicated film with a live concert and um, um, uh, you needed um, a combination of wildness because it's supposed to happen in Yellowstone National Park and so on and so forth. So I was able to find the location and the exact uh, um, um, uh, situation of what this film needed. Uh, putting together the concert, because you know, I read, I haven't seen you know the film, but uh, reading about that, it seemed massive. What what was how how long did that take to you know even just set up to to film an actual concert? Well, uh, uh, there was a partner in London. Of um, um, impresario who actually worked with me to put together uh, the uh, logistic of, of this whole thing. I worked in Hungary. I would say it was one month, very hard work. Uh, building the, the stage was altogether only three weeks. Um, and uh, then, of course, we had to be ready for the first day of the shoot, which started out with the last day in the, in the actual film, 
which was the concert. We got 50,000 people from all over Europe. This, this is the socialism. During the socialism, when, when you had 10 people gathered together, then the police can stop you, could stop you at that time. Oh, right. Well, yeah, if you get 10 people, I assume 50,000 people, it would be right. Uh, yeah. So this was quite an achievement. Yeah. Uh, a lot of those guys, you say during the, the socialist era, like how many, how many problems did you come about, you know, just uh, on that end? None. Actually, really? none. We had an absolutely well-organized concert. No accident whatsoever. Uh, the bus came from Budapest. We were about 30 kilometers, 15 miles away from Budapest. So the buses circulated back, back to Budapest, brought the people. They entered into the concert area. Uh, then uh, it filled up. Uh, it was amazing. And by 11, uh, 11, 11 o'clock in the morning, uh, we got about uh, 15,000 people. And uh, this was an all-day uh, long concert. So around five o'clock uh, afternoon, we had 40, 50,000 people already. Wow. So they put on an actual concert and the people there, you know, just came to see a concert. Did they know that they would also be filmed in a movie? Not really. Not yeah. really. But when they arrived and, and the first, I, I think that the first uh, group they knew, but then the, a big crowd, they didn't know. But then, uh, of course, it was uh, uh, a extremely interesting uh, scene with the bear because the bear uh, lands on the um, electric wire, which is which was part of the actual uh, decor, and then they find out this was really a, a, a part of a movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <Yeah. that's> <laughs> I wonder what that was. Some of them would have thought, like, you're at a concert, and there's a big bear out there, and he's going to electrocute it. I don't know. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But it was great fun. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, Tristan, you have a question about, you know, this era of the movie? Um, uh, I mean, yeah. I have a question about yeah. the film in general. Yeah. So the uh, title has been, through a few incarnations, um, The Predator, uh, The Concert, uh, Revenge. So I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about that. Yes, so in 1983, uh, my partner, who actually disappeared the first day of the shooting, um, uh, he never purchased the title. So uh, tentatively, it was called The Predator. And uh, later on, Arnold Schwarzenegger used I was going to ask you about uh, that, like if title. it would have been pre-Predator. The, yeah. the Predator. Yeah. So... 1984, I already was fighting with my partner who wanted to take back the film, but uh, I, I felt that my position was so weak at that time uh, that uh, if he takes it over, uh, all my hard work uh, and doing, uh, doing all of this alone, I would actually be jeopardized or actually I would be written out of the whole film. So uh, in a very complicated way, I uh, secured my position and uh, I um, uh, copyrighted um, 
um, um, uh, cancer, the, uh, the uh, uh, grizzly uh, to the concert. Uh, but it took me two years to buy the rights for the sequel of Grizzly. So the Grizzly uh, actually uh, title was at that time uh, not officially part of the film yet. Mm-hmm. But I uh, copyrighted just so um, uh, I can sec- secure the title and then I negotiated and then I purchased the title. Um, I, and this is the history of why the f- film uh, changed um, uh, uh, title all the time. So in nine, uh, three years ago, when I took out the, the movie and I watched the movie, um, uh, I realized that the movie story is really very simple. The uh, uh, mother bear actually take revenge after uh, uh, her cub has been killed uh, by, the, by a poacher. And so that's how the final title came about. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned your partner at the time. Is, is that uh, Joseph Proctor? Yes, yes. Yeah. He is the one. Mm-hmm. So was it right after you filmed the, um, the, the Beast Festival, the concert, that he that he calls and says that the, the movie's no longer being uh, financed. Yes, actually, uh, next day after the first day of the shoot uh, was the concert. The following day, he um, uh, didn't call me. He didn't have the guts to uh, tell me. He called my home and asked for my husband, and my husband had to go to the Intercontinental Hotel. And he said, in half an hour, uh, I'm leaving Hungary and I will never come back. And you do whatever you want to do with the film because I'm leaving. And at that time, I had 300 people on the set. Yeah. And was your uh, husband involved in the movie? No. No, he was not involved. That was the strange part that he was not involved in the movie. And but he had no gods. Uh, Joe uh, couldn't face me to tell that whatever happened to the money, uh, and evidently I would ask what, uh, what happened to the money, um, and evidently I would ask very unpleasant questions, and uh, he didn't want that to talk about this anymore. So he left. Um, did you see him again until, like, you know, the legal battles? Or was that the last time? Uh, in Paris, when we were um, about to uh, edit the film, uh, and I arrived, he was there. And uh, uh, I got very worried because, again, we finished the principal photography, and uh, he acted like he's here, he's finishing the film, and uh, I, can be, I can stay there, by the way, but he's the one who is going to finish the film. And uh, so uh, what, what trick I have made at that time is that uh, we were still in Europe, and the European law has different protection when you make a um, um, feature film. Uh, you have different protection than in the United States. So um, 
the director was uh, was uh, French, French Hungarian, and I I told him that why don't you sue my company, uh, and in this way the uh, negative can cannot leave um, um, Europe, and um, during this time, then whatever is going to happen, I will have enough time to actually deal with Joe. Well, what was your relationship with him before he just backs out of the film? Was Did you get along with him before that? What was very strange about Joe, and actually I heard this, uh, uh, that he this was his actual uh, way of um, um, uh, dealing with um, uh, people that he always disappeared. So he he came to New York for originally he said uh, I will be staying for three days and we're going to have time to go through all the details and everything. We're going to uh, work out um, uh, schedules and everything. And f- after the first day. He calls and he said, oh, I got a telephone call. I have to rush. I cannot stay. I have to leave. And this was his way of dealing with people. You never had time with him to really sit down and uh, talk about how these things are going to work. How are we going to uh, do certain things? And if, if I am not a Hungarian and this is not happening in Hungary, uh, this film would never be done because what happened in Hungary and what was uh, the only good thing about the socialist country is that once a, pro- a project was on the way, it happened every single day how the actual schedule was written. And uh, the Hungarians didn't know about this drama what happened with Joe, and so I was able to follow up and and finish the film there. So after he leaves uh, and says, you know, I'm out of the movie, you know, there's no finance, you continue to film the movie. Yes, I continued, and nobody, nobody knew that we had an absolute drama and financial uh, um, uh, complete uh, fall-off, uh, nobody, because if they would know uh, at that time, uh, my judgment was that we would never be able to finish the film because then the Hungarians would demand uh, again certain security. Uh, the Americans uh, uh, would not trust payments and others, you know, right away. Then something like this happens, then uh, people disappear. So I never told to anybody. It was an absolute secret for forty-five days. Oh. Uh, how about the uh, the director? I've read you know something about him, uh, Andre Zotz. How did he get involved? Well, Andre um, was doing commercial movies. I was not a real feature film director. I met Andre several times on uh, parties and uh, other occasions. And I um, recommended Andre uh, to Joe at the very beginning to do the second unit and organize certain equip- equipment for us. At this time, um, I was told that um, David Sheldon is going to be the director. 
And then Joe went to Paris, and all of a sudden, I get a telephone call in Hungary that the director is going to be Andre Zatz. And I said, how come Andre Zatz is not a director for feature films? Says, I need to deal with him. This is what it is. So Andre arrived, and then I tried to work with him, and everybody tried to work with him. And uh, it was a mixed emotion because he was inexperienced. Everybody was inexperienced, including myself. So it was a, an incredibly hard struggle, but it worked out at the end. It worked out because the movie is good. So um, I, I don't know if this is true or not, I don't know if you could speak on it, uh, that there was a lot of rewrites and that the caterer was one of the, yeah, one of the yeah, people who re- It is true. Some of the, interesting. Uh, well, how, how did the that re- come about, the, the, the caterer? Yeah, well the, well, the thing is that I think David Sheldon uh, wrote um, um, a very good script, but uh, there was some... Uh, idea that maybe there was a lot of repetition uh, and uh, it would be better if we upgraded for a more horroristic film. And everybody pitched in. Uh, I wasn't, but everybody else was uh, pitching and trying to come up with ideas. <laughs> and George Clooney said that the best idea was when, when the caterer got involved because he he was the only one who made sense. So anyway, yeah. um, it was a mess. I think that's cool though that George Clooney actually you know talks about the movie because uh, you know obviously he's gone on to become George Clooney, but he's done you know fairly recent interviews talking about uh, Grizzly too. Yes, I mean he had a good time there. Uh, actually, what George was saying is that uh, he believes that uh, 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 there was so much buzz about this film, the Grizzly film, that his career took off right away because because all of these um, younger, um, um, yet-to-be stars, all of them got jobs right away after this movie. So that's really terrific. Yeah. Uh, were you around him much at the time? Uh, in what way? What do you mean? Uh, you, when you're filming the movie, like, did you have much interaction with him? Or I know he didn't have a big part in the movie, so he, I don't I, know. Uh, no, no, yes, but I, I was uh, organizing to get this movie done. Mm-hmm. I had no time to uh, socialize. I took out George Clooney, um, Laura Dern, and uh, Charlie Sheen one time. Uh, when they arrived, um, they, they were great fun, uh, lots of laughing and so on and so forth. We had a, a wonderful time. But I, after this disaster, uh, of course, uh, my job was to try to get right. this film done, Yeah, yeah but which, is, I, which really happened. Yeah. I want to mention quick, as uh, Barbie Wilde, uh, mutual friend, sends her love. She was, uh, she's in the, in the band in the movie. Oh, yes. And uh, she sent me some uh, so, some new some uh, memories of being in the film, and and she's yeah. happy that it's finally going to be released so people can see it. Yes, exciting. Uh, Tris, do you have a question? Was there ever a time that you gave up hope on the release of this film happening? Uh, not when we were filming. I 
I gave up hope a uh, couple of times um, uh, when uh, I, I did, uh, sometimes I got threats. Um, uh, 1986 was a very hard, very difficult year. Uh, I was wondering if it's really worth to fight for something that I truly loved and believed in. Uh, later on, um, my husband got ill and passed away in 1990. He passed away in cancer. And then I said to myself, I um, um, should really take care of my little girl. At that time, my daughter was 11 years old. And uh, I said, I just really put it aside. Uh, and the time is going to come when it's going to be important for me. But in 1990, 1991, I, uh, I chose to do do my regular you know um, i opened I, I took over my husband this is husband gallery and i actually opened the second gallery later on and i was extremely successful and uh, i waited the time then i could go back and really finish the film and every year um in the 20, 20, 20, 2010 from 2010 i was uh, looking at um, how much money do I need to finish this film if I need to convert everything into digital. At that time, was very expensive, the very beginning. Today, is of course, not. But uh, three years ago, it became very accessible. And then I said, okay, whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. So who who do you at the time because you're like far removed from from the movie world? Uh, I did I you know what I did? I I I am ashamed to tell you. I bought a book for seventeen dollars <laughs> fifty cents, uh -huh. <laughs> and I learned what's going on in the industry because I am originally an economist, so I'm very good with. Financing. I'm very good with with the businesses in general, but it has to be a business that makes sense. So if something is too crazy, I wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. So I bought uh, this magic magical book and um, um, how to make a, a successful sale and how to finish a make a movie and what mm -hmm. to do and so on and so forth. Of course, there's a lot of digital issue there, how to digitalize and step by step. So I, uh, in two days, I uh, finished the book and made the notes, took out the film, which was 35 millimeter. Um, 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 it's a work print actually. And we started to look around uh, who can convert the film for us. And we find one in United States. They made a sample. I didn't like it. It was not sharp. It was not crispy. And then I find another one. I didn't like it. And then uh, about four months later in London, I find a fantastic company who actually um, uh, they cleaned, cleaned up the film, restored everything. An artist worked on it and and um, uh, restored the scratches and all of the problems, what the film, of course, the film aged. Mm -hmm. 
They removed the yellow color, everything, and it just became like it was done yesterday. Beautiful. That's awesome. And uh, since you didn't get to film a lot of the grizzly stuff, uh, grizzly bear stuff at the time, uh, what, what do you do? For so that? Uh, we, I had a couple of shots that I could use, mm-hmm. uh, and I purchased a lot of. Uh, I I met a guy who was a grizzly. Um, grizzly expert and went to trip to uh, Alaska and uh, Yellowstone also to film grizzlies and uh, also I find a grizzly bear suit that would imitate actually the scenes that uh, we were missing but um, uh, none of them worked out really the right way and in the meantime, I started to look for um, uh, uh, just uh, stock footage, uh, things that you find um, at uh, various places. Turner also has a lot of people. Shutterstock has a lot of companies selling film footages. And then I started to uh, try to match the um, pieces. And that was like six to eight months to really figure out how the positioning and how the bear uh, should look like and how many scenes we should have with bear. Because don't forget the jaws, with the jaws, Spielberg jaws, you don't see the the shark. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, I wanted uh, the bear to be seen but I didn't want that uh, obvious uh, bloody, bloody scenes. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is that in 1987, the Hungarians um, uh, offered me that they would finish the film, film with me. And when I was in Hungary, I got uh, the uh, George Clooney, Laura Dern, and Charlie Sheen Dummies done in in this uh, incredibly fantastic rubberish material, the carbon copy of of the young bodies, and uh, so I had the the pieces of the dead uh, <laughs> George Clooney, <laughs> Laura Dern, and, and so I had the opportunity to make bloody scenes uh-huh. but then i decided i'm not going to go into this um on this venue uh because number one i want a lot more people to see at younger people uh younger generation p and uh, you know the the yeah. 13 years old and up uh generation and also i i felt that uh, I'm not the kind of a per- person who can do a bloody horror film. Uh-huh. <laughs> As an economist, it's not really my, my style. Right, I understand. Right. That I makes understand. sense. Yeah. So, uh, why? You, so you get the movie, you know, put together, everything, and then, and then another obstacle. 2020, COVID happens, a pandemic. So how how does that affect what you're going to do with the movie? Yes, so uh, this, uh, we already at that time signed up to about 11 festivals. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first was the Los Angeles uh, Real Independent Film Festival, which was in February. 
And then uh, these supposed to go to all of these funky, fabulous places. And, yeah. and played uh, Buffalo Dreams Fantastic Film Festival. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, COVID came. Uh, but uh, I worked out with these fest- most of the festivals that we will send them the film. Mm-hmm. And they are going to have a different uh, way of showing it. And we are going to participate. So this is basically what we did. And we went to participated, I think, nine festivals. We have still, I think, uh, two left. And, uh, and so uh, in the meantime, we entered into the Cannes Film Festival, which was, of course, online. And what was fantastic there, that uh, before the festival even started, uh, I already had um, uh, on the on my Zoom side about 30, 40 the distributor who wanted to talk to me. Oh wow, that's, that's and wild. it was uh, international, like ja- Japanese, Italian, um, German, uh, a lot of, of course, a lot of American, and uh, that was like uh, opening the whole business for sale. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, interestingly, I have not picked any of those uh, companies because uh, I, you know, you get always more sophisticated as you go by. You learn the business. I bought another book for twenty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I learned. I learned the, what is the distribution deal and how does that um, translate to a thirty-seven years old film, etc. So by the time uh, I would say June, around June, I, I, I had a clear vision how I'm going to present this film. And then I had seven contracts sitting with me. Each, each of them were a little bit different, how, how they would make the deal. Um, and uh, within the seven contract, I had four uh, of sales representatives, which is the way to go, then I realized that this is not really important for me because um, I could manage a lot of the PR uh, issues and others, what, uh, what I need to do. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up with Gravitas Venture, a fantastic uh, company, and they represent now they licensed the film for uh, for 10 years worldwide, and we are doing it together. So I do a lot of PR with them, coordinate what I do, how I um, structure uh, the whole whole uh, um, presentation and, and write uh, p- pitches and so on and so forth, sending it to various uh, places, and I enjoy it a lot. Yeah, it's very cool. It's really yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah. How about the, did you buy a book about festivals? Because did you know about movie festivals? No, uh, I did not. Yeah. Only two books. <laughs> <laughs> two books, all right. Yeah. So how, how did you learn about the festival scene, though? Because like you, so, because I don't, where, I don't think in festivals the, are really first book, In the, the first time. book, it says, uh, I, I don't be discouraged if the festival is not going to take your film. I said, mm-hmm. Oh, that's not a problem. I go look at all the festivals, and I'm going to <laughs> pitch pitch the festivals. And we got uh, 
into most of them. So it's, yeah. it was, uh, of course, I mean, we have fantastic cast. Uh, it is really now a good movie. I reduced the film. Originally, it was 95 minutes. Now it's 74 minutes. So all the repetition and everything um, had been cut out. And that really gave a speed, the kind of a speed what um, 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 a thriller needs. Uh, that was one of the problems with this film, is that there was a lot of repetition, a lot of uh, slow motion going in the woods and, and putting uh, uh, traps down and things like that, you know, and talking about this big bear and so on and so forth. Nobody's interested. Everybody needs action. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest. It seems like, you know, you really love talking about this and also seemed like it was an exciting process getting back into uh, yeah. getting the movie finished and learning about all these new, new things in the film world. Yes, and now somebody wants to do Grizzly Tree, and another person wants to do the documentary on it. So uh, all these doors open now. Yeah, because yeah, the whole story itself is a movie in itself, I think. Yeah, it is a movie on its own. Yeah. Uh, Trish, do you have another question? This movie seems like it'd be a perfect fit for drive-ins. Are you screening there at all? Yes, they are. I mean, uh, uh, Gravitas does it. Mm -hmm. They do. We do things together, and and they, of course, uh, tell me uh, certain things what they don't do, and they they do most of the big decision. So uh, at the time, you know, uh, th things weren't great back in back in eighty three and eighty four and eighty five. Uh, so did you, at that time, did you just totally get away from, I know you went into your husband's business, but did you just give up on, on movies altogether? Like this is something yes. I don't want to be involved yes. in. Well, it, it, it was an incredible, deep, incredible disappointment, mm -hmm. uh, to uh, go through, uh, uh, Joe Proctor, uh, uh, who he is and his, uh, um, attitude towards to uh, all of us, uh, everybody uh, who was involved uh, came out uh, from this movie. A uh, lot of them never went back in the film business, uh, very disappointed, and uh, including me, of course. And uh, it changed. I mean, I don't know whether this was the best thing I did in my life, but I ran my business on my own the way how I believed is the best I can and uh, I became successful. And the only thing, uh, anything I did, it was on me. Mm -hmm. And so I, uh, after Joe Proctor, uh, this is what I needed to do something on my own and not to rely and not to worry about somebody who is going to cheat on me and cheat on everybody. And I'm glad you had this second chance to get the movie finished. And yes, had this yes, this is so fabulous. Yeah. So the physical release is coming out in January, Blu-ray and the DVD. Yes. And uh, do you know what, uh, I'm sure we can look this up, but do you know what any of the, like, the special features are on the Blu-ray? Uh, 
What do you mean special feature? Uh, is there like extras? I don't know if there's like a documentary. The trailer is the only one. I was recommending them that I made the 16 minutes uh, documentary, like mm-hmm. what we are talking about, just a most de- detailed um, about what really happened there. Mm-hmm. And I offered them, uh, and I wanted uh, uh, that this would be included in the DVD and the Blu-ray as a gratis, as an extra. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said if uh, the need comes back that they needed, then they will include it. But right now, as it stands, January 8th, uh, only the trailer and the, the feature film will be on. Mm-hmm. That's very exciting, though. The people are going to... Uh... Because, uh, like I said, Barbie, who was in the movie, she's really excited herself to see the movie. And excited yes, for of course. Movies. Barbie is sens- sensational. We have a, a good relationship with lo- lots of these people now. You know, we email to each other, and uh, it's wonderful to see everybody is, uh, is, uh, is okay with this. Very happy. Yes. Yeah, very good. And uh, I read that Joe ended up going to jail. Do you know if he – is he still in in? No, I mean, uh, the first time, uh, because he wanted to sell electric car uh-huh. in, um, in South Korea. Uh, of course, he never had any uh, rights to represent electric car. And uh, he was caught in Singapore. He, I think that he picked up uh, three or seven million dollars. I don't remember exactly. But uh, they demanded the money back and so on. And uh, I think he got four or five years in Singapore. And then uh, lately, about three years ago, he was in uh, uh, jail in uh, United States in, uh, because of tax evasion. Um, uh, a, very, um, uh, a very wonderful article was written about this movie by Brian Rafferty. Uh, and he researched uh, uh, Joe's past, and he find all of these documents and, and newspaper writings about Joe. And so um, he is not in prison anymore, but uh, I think a minimum two times he was. Yeah, right. So uh, you're not going to get involved with him again if Grizzly... Not at all. All right. <laughs> <laughs> So I was reading uh, an interview that was written uh, interview, and um, you were talking about that um, that you got a bill saying that th- that you owed the company money, and they wanted to meet you like in Europe. I think you were in the states at the time, and so you met him like a neutral ground, and uh, and he said it was like secret police had showed up. It wasn't even like the film people. Well, I, I yeah, that was not too pleasant. I no, would it didn't say. Sound it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, what happened is that during the shoot, um, the Hungarians, although I, as I said, I, uh, I, I um, didn't tell to anybody that we are in trouble. But sooner or later, they figured certain things out. He, of course, they always ask about uh, where is the producer, the producer, and your, I was the co-producer, etc. So um, uh, 
at the end of the um, uh, principle of photography, I got uh, uh, a bill, um, a stack of bills on a white piece of paper, not on the letterhead or television letterhead. And this was coming from um, the production manager who actually was a very, very good guy. And I always uh, told him if uh, later on that he was part of the fact that we were able to save this movie. So he, uh, last day he gets me, he hands me this uh, uh, huge uh, stack of uh, so-called bills. And I said, uh, show me my signature. What um, did I authorize any of these extras? Uh, where is my signature? Oh, we, we needed to do this and that. So one of the interesting things was that the first on the first page, I, I ping went to him, uh, so you are charging $1,000 on a, uh, on a bolt of ropes, which, you know, you use a rope for um, some reason, and you are charging extra $1,000. And said, how the hell you are coming up with this uh, amount? He said, well, I didn't make it up. This is what it is. So <clears throat> I put together this uh, big bunch of stuff, left, and uh, when I return off from the edit from Paris to New York, uh, a letter was waiting for me from the Hungarian uh, television that I owe uh, $170,000. Uh, the Americans own, but if the Americans are not paying, I have to pay. And uh, I had to hire an attorney, and we met in, uh, in uh, um, Vienna, and I'm waiting for the Hungarian television, my partner, and three huge guy sit down, and uh, I said, who are you? He says, uh, uh, we came uh, instead of the television. I said, uh, why did you come? I, I'm waiting for the television. And I recognized two of the guys <laughs> when we were filming, they were always around, they were the secret police, part of the secret police. And, uh, so the question uh, was, uh, what uh, uh, is going to be a movie? Uh, one of the guys was asking. I said, it's none of your business what's going to happen to the movie. And then they never said a word. They stood up and left. And I was asking my lawyer, what was this all about? And what's going on? He said, he said from now on, you don't owe any money to Hungary. I said, just like that, I don't owe money. Until now, I owe money with these fake bills, and now I don't own money. That doesn't make any sense. Uh -huh. It's going to come up one day and haunt me. So this is nonsense. So later on, I find out that uh, the Americans, not Joe, the Americans who wanted to get the movie, who financed this movie, um, paid this extra, and I have no idea how much, because they would not be able to get uh, uh, any documents and any movie part unless they paid that. 
that's what I find out. So it wasn't uh, like I, uh, you know, the reason uh, the television didn't come because the deal was made in the background, but they never told me. <laughs> Some wild stuff there. <laughs> yeah, wild. Yeah. Uh, you have to live through this. You have to live through this. <laughs> uh, so when I mentioned you were coming on, a couple people had asked me to ask you about, uh, there's rumors that uh, there was like a blood machine on set that blows up the blood pump when yeah. you were making. Uh, so, so what happened there? Well, uh, apparently, mm-hmm. Nick Mali, who is a very well-known uh, special effect guy who built a bear, uh, had problem with the bears. Uh, he claims now only um, only one bear, bear with the a bear suit was the one which he could not get at work. But the truth is that uh, he also had problem with the, uh, uh, the mechanical torso. That's why we couldn't uh, film a couple of, of the clothes. And uh, he he says, I wasn't there, so I don't know. He says that uh, the Hungarians were not efficient, and they didn't uh, learn how to use the uh, blood with the bear, and it blew up on the bear and destroyed part of it, and so on and so forth. So it was a big mess. Yeah. But I was no not there, and uh-huh. <laughs> we had problem with the bear from the beginning. Uh-huh. Yeah. I also read that David Prowse was, uh, was uh, he, I don't know if he was in the movie or not, but he was the original guy that tried on the bear suit when they were building uh, it. The original guy was a panto, pantomime act, act, um, uh, actor, a very well-known uh, pantomime actor who was hired to do this work. And... Uh, well, what happened, Nick, Nick was also extremely nervous. Uh, Joe was not there. Nobody uh, was there to talk to. So the whole thing, uh, the chemistry was bad w- between them. So it, it didn't work. That's the right. bottom line. Right, right. Uh, do, you have, do you have like the, any of the bear suit left? Did it, did it... No, because they claim it was, it was burned down. Oh, okay. The Hungarians were not returning the bear, bear uh, parts, the mechanical bear and the bear suit. And uh, uh, never since then, I tried to figure out what happened. Maybe somebody was using it, you know, mm-hmm. and they were doing another deal uh, with this bear, but I, I could never find it. Yeah. When you first got online and you started to see people talking about the movie, and there was like, you know, like a leaked cut of it uh, on YouTube and stuff. Like, what were your initial thoughts of all this? Well, I, I uh, wasn't unhappy. I mean, even, even uh, uh, those people who were bad-mouthing about this film, somehow um, it keeps the I word said... What? It gets the word out about it, even of if they're course, talking bad about course. it. Of right. course. And, and you know what? Uh, a lot of people who were involved... Uh, rightfully, they had a very bad experience, rightfully, just like I did uh, and I had. And uh, uh, I can't blame them. Uh, an illegal um, uh, a copy was, uh, a bootleg was circulating for uh, many, many years. I just uh, took it down three years ago when we really seriously 
started right. to deal with this. Uh, I, uh, I wasn't that upset because uh, I do understand the human motivation that mm-hmm. you, are, uh, you, you hope this is going to be your big entry in the film industry and then it didn't happen. Right. So that's a disappointment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, AJ Zyla in the chat, he says, I applaud your perseverance. Uh, must uh, feel really satisfying to have this released. Yes. So uh, when, when, you were, when you did the festivals, uh, I know they were virtual, but what was the feedback like? What, what did the, uh, what All did the good. Like? All good. Truly. Truly. Everybody is so happy, congratulating that finally I took my time uh, and uh, uh, energy and enthusiasm and uh, everything I had put it in just so this, uh, this, this is a historic movie. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a historic cult movie for many reasons. It's not just a lot of gossips, but also we have three Oscar-winning uh, actors in the, fi- in the film. And uh, um, those uh, wonderful um, um, leading uh, actors today uh, started out uh, with this film because this is the first one. So this is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the whole the whole background, the whole story leading up to it, you know, you think it's yes. never going to finish, and then thirty something years later, yes, it's actually out. It's a it's a great story. Yes, uh, Tristan, you have another question. What do you think the biggest lesson you've learned from this whole ordeal is? What to learn from it? That's mm-hmm. the question. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, number one is uh, uh, you. Anybody who wants to be working with a partner, uh, you have to make sure you have the money for the film before you start the production. Because a lot of people, uh, even today, uh, has the tendency to um, have some money and they are hoping that with the buzz and all the craziness, they raise more money and then they can go on and then they raise more money and then they can go on. I believe that Joe Proctor also was one of that kind of a man who lied to everybody that, yes, I have all the fund, but indeed what he was doing, he was running, trying to, uh, plug all the holes, promise everything to everybody, lie to everybody, and then in the meantime, he wanted to find more money and, and uh, go on. And that eventually broke down. And so uh, one of the things that I would tell to everybody is that <clears throat> don't start until you have the fund. Don't start. Because you end up this this situation, the reason uh, I was able to save uh, this film because I was tenacious enough to start to purchase the title, to purchase the soundtrack, and gradually everything throughout this time, because I had another income and I was able to save that money 
and gradually build it up to the point to really finish it. But that's a very unique situation. And most of the time, people just go under and never recover. And absolutely not worth to go through something like this. So, um, you know, Grizzly 2 is coming out, obviously. But And you talked about people interested in maybe a Grizzly 3. Uh, after this, would you be interested in being involved in making another movie? Yes, I would. Very good. And a sequel uh, to Grizzly? Uh, yes, I own the sequel rights, and and uh, uh, some people uh, were thinking about maybe to do the Grizzly Three, but uh, 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 my position is that I'm not going to make a mistake uh, uh, to rush into Grizzly sure. Three now. I want to make sure that everything goes very well with with uh, the preparation, with the PR work, with everything to launch this film the proper way. And once this is on, on its own, then I will talk about Grizzly 3. Very good. And uh, the website is grizzly2revenge.com. And you go there and you can find out a lot of uh, information, uh, you know, where you can get the movie and what's going on with it. Yes. Very good. And it's, this has been really fun to talk with you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. And, thank it, it re- you. and you look so happy. It makes me happy about the movie. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. And you have a, have a good rest of the uh, night, good rest of the year and the holidays. Thank you. You too. Yeah. Everybody, we'll Kristen. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thanks, everyone, for watching. From ancient terrors to the search for modern-day conspiracies, the tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old-world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. Where we should have listening, sitting here on a lie, you tiny, now we're gonna die. The tomb of Nick Cage. Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, The Tomb of Nick Cage.